Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Triton Nation podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Gonzalez, Director of Athletics and Student Life at Pacific Christian High School. Uh, this program is brought to you by the Pacific Athletic Network. We are grateful and excited to use Trilogy Financial's recording studio. We're grateful for them. Um, I'm here with co-host Jeff Barakoff and head men's basketball coach at Vanguard University, Rhett Soliday. Rhett, thank you for being here. Um, Glad to be here. Yeah, we're, we're ready to get rolling. Really, so a little bit about this podcast. This is the first time Pacifica has kind of ventured out in this space for us. And our goal and our hope with this podcast is to make it very education-based, right? Um, so much is going on in the high school sports world for youth. You know, this place, we want it to be uh, a place where families can foster conversations, where things like, what is it like to play during a pandemic? What's it like to be recruited during a pandemic? What is sports medicine? And what does it mean to be a good student athlete in social media? So that's kind of the hope you know, for this podcast. That's the hope for this program as we kind of move forward. But, you know, Rhett, you're our first guest ever. Just don't mess this up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no pressure. I think you'll be fine. But a little bit on Rhett. Rhett, you know, you are a good friend of mine. You're, um, some may say you're a local bas- basketball legend. Who knows in Orange County? Jeff Barakoff. Jeff Barakoff. Uh, but Rhett, you have a very impressive coaching and playing career for you know our listeners and viewers. Maybe don't know that, but um, played at Concordia, right? Um, graduated from Concordia, and then you spent four years coaching there. Is that is that I correct? Did, yep. Four okay, years there. and then moved on to Division One level at UCI. Right. So is this true that you helped them get to their first or second Big West Conference championship game, like ever? I just uh, like Jeff and I both know in coaching, and you know this coaching soccer the. Usually when things like that happen, it's because you got out of the way, you know, <laughs> and and you had good players. So yeah, no, that was that was a, that was a fun um, time in my life getting that experience at yeah. the Division One level. Um, Jeff had that as a player, you know, and and it's it, uh, that was unique and it's been fun. Now I played junior college, uh, played in the, at the NAI level, high level NAI in the GSAC, um, and then coached at that level and coached Division One, assistant coach, head coach. So having a a lot of different experiences. Um, it shows you how little you know. Yeah, and now and now you're at you've been the head coach and associate athletic director at Vanguard for about eleven years, right? And yep. and you've it seems like from what I know you've done wonders there. And NAI, NAI national championship back in 2014, I think it was coach of the year, national coach of the year. I may add um, that same year. What what is you know what, what's a memory there? You know, eleven years somewhere. That that's an impressive career at one place. What's yeah. one of your fondest moments? Well, it's easy to point to. You know, the when you do have those special teams, you, you guys have both have been on special teams, led special teams. But um, honestly, the, the, the best memories I have from those years as a coach is when you, when you get to hang with those guys after they're done, you know, mm-hmm. after they graduate. Um, and then your, your time is spent more as, as peers, as, as friends. You know, yeah, like I, I, really, I really value that. I mean, I even – I know when guys come back to Pacifica that have played for you guys, um, you know, that, that relationship changes, it shifts, and it becomes kind of a friendship. But, but along the way, you know, I always say they're keeping score, so you're trying to win. You know, as long <laughs> as they're keeping score, we're trying to win. And so certainly there's some great memories of, of you know, being in the trenches and, and everybody pursuing the same goal and, and, and all those things. Everything that sports is about, it's, it's beautiful, and, and to get to do it with young people is, is pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, it's fun. So uh, tons of memories, more than I could recount. But um, obviously when you l- win the last game of the season, that's always fun. Always win your last yeah, game. sure is. <laughs> Not many people can do that. Yeah, well, man. so before we kind of jump into it, this is kind of for both of you guys. And I, I think Mariah's going to pull this up later for us on our screen. But tell me a little bit about this picture right here. 
It's kind of pixelated, but I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that's. Oh my that's, gosh, that's Rhett you found that. <laughs> Rhett, Rhett mentioned getting out of the way. That's usually what happens when he guarded me. You know, and just Ole. Uh, I can't believe you guys found that. So uh, I think one of you said, "I think I think Rhett might have a little bit more muscle tone in those arms." Oh, no, we were yes. we were just laughing about that earlier. Yeah, I, I think said, you were. Most of the time when I closed out on Jeff and and matched up with him, I usually felt a little inadequate because his arms always looked a little better than mine, and that remains true to I'll this agree. day. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> well, Jeff was a tank, though. He he was a tough matchup. We guarded. I mean, we literally matched up on each other in college, and that was that was my assignment. Yeah, try to try to chase Barakoff around. I just think so. it's a fun 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 little photo. Well, you were a tough guard because because you had a few inches on me and you could shoot the ball so well. I thought you didn't you lead the GSAC in three point percentage your senior year? Well, I think you did. I don't know that. Or you're up there. I. At one time, I may have been in the lead, and then uh, the arthritic hips might have taken over. I'm a double hip surgery guy, so um, it was after my sophomore you know, year in college. I tried to talk trash to you so much, and you never <laughs> responded. I remember, so a funny story. We don't want to get too, too sidetracked here, but well, my okay. first year as an assistant coach, and we've never talked about this. That's right, because I was a senior. You were a senior the next year, because you red, we're the same age, but Jeff redshirted a year, and... Uh, my, my first year as an assistant coach, our teams got into it, Cal Baptist and mm-hmm. Concordia. Right. Like and on the court. Was, yeah, and there was a couple guys probably on our squad that were kind of being knuckleheads. Huh. Um, may have been on CBU side as well. but yeah. That makes sense. They're always that we're way. We're shaking hands, and uh, as we go through the handshake line, Jeff, Jeff grabs my hand, and we shake hands, and he looks right at me with that look. And he <laughs> said, Rhett, are you serious? Basically, just calling us out like a couple of our guys were being knuckleheads, and he gave me that extra firm handshake. I've never forgotten that. We haven't talked about that. I don't remember that. Yeah, I could just see the right off. Are you serious, Rhett? What is this? <laughs> I just remember you guys were and really I said, good. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> I don't know. All I know, I always remember CBU being the best losing team in the GSAC. So I don't know if that was the oh, case when you guys were there, but they always found hey, they a way to good. lose. They were good. Um, they were really good. Well, blast from the past. So yeah, let's kind of jump into some of our topics today. I know, I know, Jeff. You know, you being Pacifica's uh, assistant AD, head basketball coach, you have some great insight and some questions regarding just what it's like to recruit. And you know, I'll let you kind of jump in on that one. Yeah, right. How are you guys dealing with high school kids? I mean, they can't play in for anybody live. Yeah. So are you? You're. Inbox is just filled with videos from coaches. Are you live streaming stuff? What are you guys doing for the high school kids? And then after that question's answered, what's going to happen for those kids coming in in the 21 class? Right. Because now all these freshmen in college, they're going to essentially be freshmen again. So yeah. so kind of what happens there? Man, it's, it's a crazy time. Short answer, I don't know. I don't know how this is all going to play out, but everybody in the – high school and college athletics landscape is talking about it, like what's going to happen. And just, just a byproduct of the COVID, you know, world that we're in now. Um, and so here's, I guess, one step further back, big picture. Um, everywhere except, and it's certainly going to affect the Division One levels, but also Division One passing for, most, for almost all sports now, immediate eligibility for transfers. So everything we do is a trickle-down, right? There's, it, hmm. there's a trickle-down effect. Um, and the trickle down is yet to be known and understood, but we know one thing is, is true: the transfer market is going to be crazy this year because of immediate eligibility. And it, we'll, we'll just talk basketball specifically, but it'll be true for a lot of sports. And because transfers, not just grad transfers, but other you know undergrad transfers, can be eligible immediately, 
there is going to be this interesting forget if kids are going to get signed at the same rate or not coming out mm-hmm. of high school the hardest thing is going to be a wait because if you're if you're a, a low to mid major program and you have a chance to get a three year guy or a four year guy that can come in and help your program immediately those those teams are it, it, every year is a contract year for Division One coaches, and so those guys are going to be actively looking for who can help their team now, so that we can win now. It's not about as much as it should be about building for the future. They don't always feel they have the luxury to operate that way, and so because that's true, it's just a reality they live in. Um, you know, and guys are trying to keep their jobs. Yeah, the transfer market is going to be so saturated this year I think that it's going to it's going to delay even if some of these kids are going to get signed they're going to have to be more patient to see Mm -hmm. what's going to happen and for us the trickle down is um, there is not you know like the nature of our level is if you break it down it's who's left and who's transferring you know Mm -hmm. who's transferring you know Jeff you played at a high level at San Diego State and and you decided to make a change for a variety of reasons, right? Mm-hmm. It was right for you at that time. And so there's all kinds of kids out there that are looking at that too. Like mm. it's not necessarily about lateral transfers. It's about where can I go to a place that's the right fit that a person, you know, I can grow, I can be developed as a person and as an athlete mm. and all that stuff. And so now I think what's going to happen is we potentially are going to still be recruiting into July and August. You know, mm. in a way we never have before. Going you know? after maybe transfers or maybe or... even freshmen, okay. because you're gonna get you're gonna get a couple things happening. One, there's gonna be a, a pool of kids that are committed to waiting this thing out and seeing what's possible. You know, mm. especially like if if high school basketball happens in the spring, yeah, a lot of those kids are still gonna choose to play their high school season out yeah. and then see what's possible. Well, and, and we're even seeing some high schools now. I mean, we, just, we were talking about this, Jeff, earlier. There's some counties in California that are, are canceling their basketball seasons. They've already come out and yeah. said that. So it's like, yep. now well, these kids, do they just keep waiting? What, yep. like, what happens to them? You yep. know, it's. Yeah, and, I, and, and that's the great debate for us right now in recruiting, you know, because like we get, our, our league gets a lot of Division One transfers, um, good D2 transfers, stuff like that. And now the debate is, well, again, do you try to get old and get healthy now to win now, or do you try to wait and think like, okay, this year we might be able to get, we actually at our level might be able to get some high school kids that ordinarily we would have never gotten because of the nature of what the transfer is. Because it's like a trickle-down effect. Like the D1 level, those kids are either staying or they're transferring within or that now, I mean, some athletes just outside of basketball now may have two or three more years of eligibility, right? Yes. If you're a yeah. spring sport athlete last year. And yep. so then you, what you're saying is that's just kind of trickling down to now where those kids who may go to a mid-major or lower level D1 are now yep. cha- seeing what those options are. And to your point, Jeff, about like the kids that are ha- now have the option to come back, like we're still walking through that too. You're like, yeah. I, I don't have it figured out yet. Cause like a kid that's graduating, that has the option to move on with his life or come back and pursue another degree. There's so many factors. I mean, think about back to when we were in that stage of life. We were like, okay, I'm graduating from college. Like, what's next? Yeah. And the reality is most of us didn't know exactly no. what was next. Like, even if you knew, okay, I'm going to get my teaching credential or I'm going to, you know, like you still didn't know what that meant for where you were going to be employed and what you were going to be doing. And, and so I think even more now this generation, people talk about all the time, they don't, they don't want to know what's next until they get to that point, and then I'll figure it out, you know? Yeah. 
it, it, these get these guys for me that they, they don't plan necessarily as much as they used to and so I, I'm going to get through our season and then we're going to sit down and we're going to have life conversations for our two seniors. Like what is most important to you right now? And what does that mean for where you want to go and who you want to be? And then we'll make a decision if coming back to Vanguard is good for them, yeah. you know, and both of our seniors, I would love to have back, but if it's not good for them, I'm going to tell them you need to go. Yeah. Like you need to move on and get to the next stage of your life. And here's why. However, I don't think, all coaches are going to operate that way right. either. Yeah, they they may have a kid that, you know, like a, a a typical master's program is two years, right? Well, there's a lot of programs around the country that are going to want to bring back their all conference senior, with no intention of him seeing through his getting his graduate degree. Like, let's get you let's get you half this degree done, use up your year of eligibility, and then decide after that if you want to continue on with the program. Yeah, and you got to f- front the bill and figure it out. Yeah, yeah. and I don't I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to take a kid down that road where he's halfway done with a graduate degree. He may not even want to get, yeah. you know, it's like, let's make life decisions here, mm-hmm. you know? So I think the majority are going to try to keep their elite seniors, mm-hmm. you know, and, and convince them that's the right thing to do. And I'm not, I'm not convinced that's the right thing to do, you know? Yeah. It just, it sounds like it's, it's, it's messy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out though. I don't know. Well, and then I guess to, so to piggyback off that a little bit, you know, how does that, so, so we, we talked a little bit about the landscape for those that are maybe looking to go to college or have goals or in college, but now like specifically to high school students, how are they being recruited right now? Is it purely just like Jeff said earlier, like inbox of videos? Are you guys, I mean, you hear there's AAU events in Arizona for basketball or club soccer in Nevada or whatnot. Are, are they just like live streaming everything and pushing that out or what does that look like? Yeah. So there is um, Arizona for California. Arizona is the place right now. And, and it's kind of tough. It's it's sad, you know. For so I grew up in Washington, and so the the mecca of youth sports right now there is Idaho. So it's mm. kind of like neighboring. Mm-hmm. It's kind of right. the equivalent. Yeah. So I talk to my friends back home that are coaches, and they're taking their kids to you know Idaho every weekend for tournaments and stuff like that. Same things happening now, California to Arizona, and the interesting thing is, uh, they're they're live streaming a lot of these events and stuff, but. If any of us have ever done that, you can't, like, what do you do as a coach when you see video on a kid or, or even a scout? You know, like, if you have an opportunity to live scout somebody, you want to see them in person. It has hmm. nothing to do with um, whether you can figure out all the sets they're running. And a lot of times on video, you can even hear what they're yelling, the, you know, the calls. Yeah. All right, I got, I got their top five calls down for what they're going to be executing. And it's not about that. It's like being in the gym, feeling – you can feel so much when you're in a gym about, okay, I know we can attack that kid and go at him because when things get tough, he doesn't really guard, you know? Yeah. And you can see that when you're in a gym and you're, and you're scouting a team live. The same thing goes in recruiting. I, I want to really, like, I want to be able to sit there and see when a kid runs back after getting subbed out of the game, does, when his coach is talking to him, is he, is he looking away like this yeah. and not trying to hear it, or is he looking his coach in the eyes and receiving um, you know, I watch that. I, I watch that with Jeff's teams, and his kids run over, and they look him right in the eyes. If he has something to say, they receive it, they process it, because they've been taught that's the proper way to grow. You know? Yeah. And and I want to see if kids have been taught that. And if they haven't, I got to think twice about is he going to be the right fit? You know? And so, so I think um, I think that has made it difficult yeah. in the re- recruiting landscape. The more kids, I, I all the kids we're recruiting, we've told them be patient. 
we have a strong interest in you. And as soon as this thing clears up a little bit, we want you in our gym with our guys, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and we want to see you hang with our guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it puts, it puts that emphasis back on, you know, essentially like the character of a player or, or the character, even the programs they come from, like, yeah. um, you know, it, there is so many more and there's so many intangibles you can't see through a film, like shaking someone's hand, looking them in the eye, saying yeah. yes, sir, you know, being respectful and, and the adversity that maybe comes from having a bad game and how do they respond when they get pulled out. Like yep. those are those are moments you don't necessarily right. You don't see over baller TV or NFHS or huddle or whatever it may be. And I think I think we were talking about this too. Like didn't Nick Saban came out with a quote recently, like he wouldn't take transfers or something because they don't understand that means they didn't overcome adversity or something like that. Yeah. I don't know if I'm misquoting him on that one. He's had a lot of, uh, lot Saban, of if you're listening, quotes. don't come after me, please. <laughs> Apologize on that one. Um No, that's Saban for sure. Um yeah. but but yeah, I mean it's it's that you know we being at Pacifica being a smaller school right we're we're young we're new we're you know we've been blessed with athletes we're only 220 students or so and, and I think our our collegiate bound athlete rate is is close to 15 percent of our kids that have graduated which isn't a whole lot um, total but it, it's interesting because for us and in, in the conversations I've had with our parents it's they're not the Division One bound athletes they're the kids that that just want to go and play at the next level and they don't know how to do that because yeah. they've used high school sports <clears throat> so much as that platform to be noticed if it's our boys volleyball team and and not the mainstream sports that I feel like everybody can really see very easily right you got the boys volleyball and the golf and, and those sports so it, it is it's it's interesting to hear your perspective on kind of what that looks like how those kids can still just kind of be patient and and mm-hmm. you know let the process play out a bit um what is Vanguard doing you know, more I'm going to add an, an admin role over there I'm just curious to know, you know what is Vanguard doing to continue to attract student athletes is it more so just every coach, or is there kind of like an, an overall, like, hey, here's who we're going to go get. Here's how we're going to come out of this pandemic a step ahead to be the best teams in GSAC. Yeah, well, you know, I think obviously for for the constituency that's that's watching, you know, um, especially parents of students at Pacifica and, and, and other people that may listen to this, um, you know, the, the first thing that I think everybody needs to understand about, you know, the four-year – transition is this every school in the country as a result of covid is going to have certain and specific budget issues and and things that were not met this year and the biggest reason is um the biggest gap that universities are experiencing is in their student housing so Hmm. like in orange county for example um you know orange county health had certain restrictions on how many students what percentage of the dorms could be filled occupied with students right in order to maintain more distancing have quarantine rooms set up and all these things to meet the the county health guidelines um so like for vanguard you know and and other schools and no it doesn't matter if it's a private school a state school every single school right now is experiencing kind of the the pain of you know, even if their tuition dollars are still coming in, yeah. there's all these, housing's bread and there's butter, all these yeah. auxiliary services <clears throat> with housing being the big one and meals and stuff like that, that help kind of, kind of help keep the lights on for, for all these universities, you know, and, and, and maintain budgets. And so, um, you know, Vanguard has been blessed in that we haven't experienced, you know, any, um, uh, staff reductions and things like that, that the leadership has done an amazing job of, continuing to move forward in the midst of this pandemic and so um but those those you know those losses in revenue for all these universities are going to really affect 
their bottom lines moving forward, even if they got through this year just fine. And so I say that just to say, big picture, what are these universities doing? What's Vanguard doing? The first thing we're doing and, and that every school is going to have to do is really make hard decisions about what, what they're going to do with every department on campus moving forward to make sure we're as efficient and, and you know, fluid in adjusting as we can be. And mm -hmm. so could that be some adjustments in our athletic department, um, big picture over the next five years in terms of scholarship aid and operating budgets and all those things? Yeah, we don't know yet, mm -hmm. you know, but there can be changes on the horizon that we don't even foresee right now, which could, in, which could be in every program across the country, even Division I programs, with yeah. the exception of elite programs that are actually making money. And that's, I guess, where I was going. There's so few college programs that are actually creating external revenue mm -hmm. from having a program, like a Gonzaga mm -hmm. or, or a Kentucky, right? Yeah. Everybody else is in this, in this mission field of saying, we believe in the value of athletics. We believe in what it does for our community. We believe in what um, the benefits it can bring to our students, to the camaraderie of our community, um, and all those things. And so we think it's important to have a basketball program or a football program or whatever, you know. And so Are you saying Vanguard starting football? Man, no, we we did we you did heard walk it here down first. That road. You, you heard, heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, we walked down that road. I was actually at that time I was in the athletic director seat. And we did some research on it, and um, it uh, it is a great thing to start. Very challenging, and like you've got to really know you want it. And yeah. we decided at this time it wasn't the right time. But uh, anyway, I say all the I, I just kind of paint the picture of those challenges just to highlight the fact that like what are we doing at Vanguard? Um, number one, we are we are all being very conscious and mindful of the fact that we have to. We have to live sacrificially in order for the, the team to move forward, you know. Yeah. And so, like, if I've got budgeted dollars that the university's blessed our program with that don't need to be spent right now, I'm not going to spend them, yeah. you know. Um, if, if we can, as a, as a group, decide to do whatever we can to help the bottom line, we're trying to do that. However, with one exception, um, not to hinder the student athlete experience, you know, and yeah. we, we have made a commitment that the student athlete experience still needs to come first, even in a, even in a challenging time. And, and so you just have to do it different though. So, you know, all the stuff everybody's doing, we're zooming with our guys, we're doing one-on-one -on -one check-ins, FaceTiming with them. And, yeah. and uh, we're finding unique ways to maybe share a meal together when approved. Sometimes yeah. it's not approved, you know, um, all those kind of things. And so, those are little things we're doing within our program, but but big picture, Vanguard has made hard decisions uh, with great leadership, great intentionality, um, without affecting people, you know, yeah. without affecting staff and things like that. But there are hard budget decisions when you're at you know forty percent capacity in your dorms and yeah. things like that, and that's and that's leadership, and that's that's the stuff that comes well, with hard decisions. Our president, our VPs have been incredible with that. And you're only as strong as your people, so it's it's encouraging. And, and honestly, I think me and Jeff and Pacifica is so close with Vanguard, we knew how much you value your people. Um, you know, sure. we, we've sent enough student athletes there and even have a handful of your alumni and coach with us now, and we have some of our coaches who kind of coach there as well. It's it's a place that I've noticed not only values their people, but values their, you know, you can value someone, but not maybe truly, you can value them as an employee, 
right? But then you can also value them as a person. And I think there's a, there's a distinct difference there. And I see that at Vanguard. And I hope people at Pacifica, uh, Jeff, and people that work within our department understand, like, yes, your value is an employee, but we value you as a person, Absolutely. first and foremost. Absolutely. Um, well, and you know that's true when you see how your, how your child, how my daughter is poured into, you know, like, you don't, you don't receive that. The kids don't receive that at the level they receive it at Pacifica if that's not happening across every area of the institution. You know, like, yeah. you don't pour into kids if you don't feel like you're being poured into. And our kids are being poured into. You know, like, you can see it. You can see it in their growth. And that's just, that's a, that's a testament of, like, big picture leadership values that are permeating the whole organization. You yeah. know? And so, yeah, I, I can see it. Yeah. You know. Well, that's good. That's, that's yeah. what I hope. Yeah. Jeff, do you have, yeah. Yeah, before we uh, sign off, we're heading to Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, here we go. And I, I want to oh, see man. who you got. Does Tom Brady pull it off, or is the young gun, do they get it done? I heard something the other day. I think it was on ESPN. I forget who said it. But uh, they said they, they tagged this Super Bowl, the goat versus the kid. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> uh-huh. I saw yeah. that. And, yeah. then, and then the quote was, what do you you know? What do you call a baby goat? And everybody's like, "What? It's a kid. A baby goat. The name of a baby goat is a kid." Right. So they're calling Mahomes the kid, right? And uh, so my thought is, if you got two goats, you got a you got an old one and you got a young one that's up and coming. The the young goat, the kid, is probably poised and ready to take the lantern. He's already done it, mm. um, but. Uh, I, I, I view this Super Bowl as great as Tom Brady is. He's the greatest. I view it as a uh, official, unofficial passing of the torch. And okay. I, think, I think the Chiefs are going to get it done. However, this story that Brady and the Bucks are writing is, like, undeniable. Yeah. Wouldn't be surprised. Nobody would be surprised. But yeah. I think the Chiefs are going to have the edge and, uh, unfortunately, do it on Tampa's home field. What do you got? Uh, Tom Brady. I, I see. I can't argue with that. <laughs> I just wonder if, if Brady win or lose, is he done after? You know, he hear him talk about, you know, I'm going to be playing until I'm 50. Do you think? I think if he loses it, he comes back. I think if he wins, he should hang it up. He'll never stop playing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Did you guys see that video of him and uh, Drew Brees after? Oh, the, how cool the, is that? After the, the game, yeah. that was that's what it's about. Yeah. That was that was pretty awesome. Those are two yeah, legends. Sure did Drew Brees retire? No, he's still gone. Yeah, but Philip Rivers did. Is out. Is out. You well, you said yours with so much more conviction than I did. It was like no hesitation. Oh, with Tom Brady. Tom Brady. <laughs> right. Come on, man. Jeez, man. He's got two more in him. Oh yeah, Tom. Two more. We got this. All right. Yeah. Side well, hey, side bet after the show. Well, we'll have you back <laughs> next time when it's all done, and we'll 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 revisit that conversation. Well, Rhett, thanks, man, for being here, talking yeah. a little bit yeah, about your story you and and what Vanguard's doing, all the good work there. Um, everyone listening, please check us out on social media, uh, our Instagram, PacificAthletics.org, Twitter, Facebook, um, and that was our website. Sorry, PacificAthletics.org. Uh, but yes, thank you guys for listening. Go Tritons. See you next time. <laughs>